Philippians 2. Why is this uh, book of Philippians called the Epistle of Joy? Sixteen times in uh, four chapters that word joy is used. Why does joy fill this letter to the Philippians? The answer is in the video that you just saw. The book of Philippians is filled with endless thanksgiving. It is now the fifth week of the study. And I'm still waiting for Paul to talk about himself. The only time he talked about himself was to say, I wanted to go to Bithynia, and God didn't let me go there. And I wanted to go to this place, and God didn't let me go there. And then God said to me in a dream and in a vision from a man of Macedonia, I want you to go there. It's the only time he mentions himself. He's the author of the letter, he's the one who established the church, but he does not want the spotlight on himself. In that very first chapter, the spotlight is on God. Thanksgiving to God for blocking this and blocking this and sending me to Macedonia. Thank you, God, because I met Lydia and I met the slave girl and I met the jailer. Thank you, God. And then when he was through thanking God, then he's thanking the congregation at Philippi. He's the one that started it. They should be thanking him, but he's thanking them. Thank you for your part in the gospel. Thank you for giving me strength while I'm sitting in prison because I'm thinking about each of you and how this growth in the knowledge of our Lord has taken place. Thanks God, he thanks the congregation. And in this week's lesson, if you're studying it, he thanks two people. Spotlight off of himself, spotlight on to Timothy. He's not so young anymore. 17 when it all started, 49 AD. Now he's in his early 30s. He thanks Timothy. He says, Timothy was like a son to me. And he says, of all the people I've known on this earth, there are very few who live for Christ. But he said to that church, you know Timothy as well as I do. He's proven himself to you. All he wants is what's best for the kingdom. And all he wants to proclaim is not himself, but Christ. And then when the spotlight is off Timothy, who he's sending back to the church at Philippi, then it goes to this man named Epaphroditus. Spotlight right on Epaphroditus. He said, you sent him to me, he's like my brother. He's a fellow warrior in the kingdom. He came to me to help me, but he became ill. He almost died. And I'm going to send him back to you because the rumors are that he's dead or that he's never going to recover and I'm going to send him back to you. So you can see that he's fine. And when he's back with you and not in the prisons here in Rome with me, he's going to get much better. The spotlight, and not on Paul, but on God and on the church and on Lydia and on the servant girl and on the jailer and on Timothy and on Epaphroditus. The message is entitled, Honoring Others. By giving them thanks. 
Every August in Cooperstown, New York, that tiny village swells by the tens of thousands because that first weekend in August is the induction of the Hall of Fame players in the sport of baseball. There are 20,000 that have played the sport in the 150 years of its existence. And of the 22,000, there are only 263 that have ever been good enough, great enough, surpassing enough to actually make it into the Hall of Fame. And whether it's an induction ceremony in Cooperstown or Canton, Ohio for the Football Hall of Fame or Springfield, Massachusetts for the Basketball Hall of Fame, those athletes who stand at that podium on the day of their induction, they do a most remarkable thing. They do not talk about themselves. Ten minutes go by, fifteen minutes go by, and they haven't said a word about themselves. Halfway through, they'll start talking about how it was for them. For many of them, single moms raising them, the sacrifices made. And they'll talk about their times in the minor league and the times that they wanted to quit. They'll go through their history. But the first ten minutes of these great athletes' speech is to take the spotlight off of themselves and put it on other people. They speak two words over and over again, and those two words are thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I would not be standing here if it was not for you. Sometimes they begin by thanking God. You sit and say, it's a trite comment. It is not. Because when they're thanking God, they are reminiscing about all the times they came to Him in their prayers. That's what they're doing when they thank God. They're thanking God for hearing their prayers in the middle of the night. Should I quit? I've been in the minor leagues for five years now. People tell me I'm not good enough. People tell me I never make it to the big leagues. Lord, tell me now in the middle of the night, should I quit? Should I get a job? Should I go back to school? The prayers, uh, as they're heading uh, on the bus to the next small town. Lord, I'm injured again. This is the third time now in seven years. Surely my injuries, God, are a sign from you that I'm supposed to stop. Am I supposed to stop, Lord? When they're thanking God at the podium, these are the things they're remembering. And the one coach they had, the one coach that kept belittling him, saying, you know, you should have quit a long time ago. And the athlete, the baseball player, praying, God, please send me a coach that will support me. Bring someone into my life that will support me. That's what they're thinking about when they're thanking God at the podium on the day of their induction in Cooperstown, New York. And if they're not thanking God, you better believe they're thanking mom and dad. And if it's a single parent that raised them, they're thanking that mom endlessly. Then they're thanking coaches. They're thanking anyone who had an impact in their life. 
bringing that athlete wisdom, encouragement, direction, financial help, love, a phone call placed, or a letter written which changed the course of that ball player's life. Two words for the first ten minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Sauer spoke last week about humility. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this attitude be in you. He was equal with God and he knew it, but he didn't think that's the most important thing. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. And because of that humility that brings him to the cross, because of that, God has given him a name which is above every name. We understand humility. It's walking around not with your nose up in the air, but it's walking around like Martin Luther. I daily sin much and need God's forgiveness. You understand what humility is and you understand what arrogance is. There is another aspect to humility. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 5.16. He said, let your light so shine before men that you might see them in their need. And when you let your light, your kindness, show forth in their lives, they give glory to God. There's a humility that affects only you. Someone praises you, you step back a little bit, you understand that you don't deserve this praise. You just thank God that you're able to help. There's a second aspect of humility, and that is a higher level. A humility that causes you to see another person's need. A humility that helps you to understand when he's getting out of the car and he drops all his groceries, or when he's getting out of the car and he stumbles and he falls, you just don't look the other way. You just don't keep thinking about the things you've been thinking about. When you see a need, humility says, there are other people on this earth than myself, and I'm going to go and help that individual. A humility that actually looks at other people and seeks to help them. And the third realm of humility is when you are praised, you take the spotlight off of yourself and you place it firmly on someone else. And that's what those athletes do when they're inducted into their halls of fame. They take the spotlight off of themselves, place it on God, place it on their moms and dads, place it on their coaches. I've told you about Stephen Hanauer. Coming into the room that one day, University of Chicago Hospital... I do believe, I always will, that Joshua would have died had God not brought Stephen Hanauer into his life and our lives. The ulcerative colitis. 
And that one day when Josh had been in the hospital for six weeks and was 90 pounds and was so sick, I remember praying before Hanauer came in. I said, Lord, if all Josh is going to do is suffer like this, just let him come home to heaven. And Dr. Hanauer came into the room and he said, here's what we are going to do. And I said to him, Dr. Hanauer, I thank God every day that he brought you into our lives. Do you remember what he did? He lifts his eyes up to heaven, lifts his hands up to heaven, and he said, I'm but God's vessel to serve him by serving others. One of the greatest doctors in the world that come from all over the world to see him, and that's what comes out of his mouth. Spotlight off of him instantly and straight up to God. When you thank someone for your success, be it large or small, when you thank someone what that does to you in the realm of transforming your life and what that does to the other person cannot be described. It may be as small a success as a getting a good grade on a spelling test. One of my my youngest granddaughter, Cece. She has a special teacher at school helping her with spelling and reading and math. And she speaks so often of Mrs. Thompson and what Mrs. Thompson has done for her. And when I hear that, I go to our special ed teacher here in our school, which I did a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you'll never understand the impact you have on a child's life. How often do you thank people? Smaller thing is a spelling test. I got 12 out of 20 instead of 8 out of 20. Thank you, Mrs. Thompson. Or a large thing as someone paying your tuition for college for four years. Whether it's a smaller thing as thanking mom for all of the meals she cooked and all the laundry she did when you're moving out of the home. Or thanking your dad for making sure there was always gas in the car. As small a thing as that or as large a thing as the CEO of that company offering you a job when eight other interviews had gone nowhere. Thank yous for the coach who offered you a scholarship to play or to sing or to act or for your academic abilities. That is what this week's lesson in the letter to the Philippians is all about. Honoring others with words of thanksgiving filled with gratitude and a mind, a mind smart enough to realize 
that you did not get to where you got without the help of countless, countless other people that God put in your life. Did you ever write a letter to a teacher, a doctor, a coach, a guidance counselor, a therapist, a mom, a dad, a spouse? Have you ever written a note of thanks? Taking the spotlight totally off yourself and putting it on another person. Some 22 years ago, he was a freshman at Sandburg. And halfway through that freshman year, a different English teacher was placed in that student's life. And at the end of that year, the dad wrote a letter to that teacher. And he said to that teacher, You changed my son's life. The first semester of his freshman year at Sandburg, the English teacher he had was destroying him. And when a different teacher was brought in, namely you, you changed my son's life. And I'll never be able to thank you enough for that. Two weeks later, he got a letter from the teacher. And the teacher wrote, I have taught for 35 years, and I have never received a letter of encouragement or thanks from anyone. Your letter has meant so much to me. When I retire in a few years and I'm sitting in my rocking chair, I will read and reread your letter and understand that my life as a teacher blessed some students. Have you ever sent a letter? of thanksgiving. One last story. Saw her last week. She's at Smith Crossing. She's 92 years of age. And uh, as I brought her communion, I said to her, do you ever get out of this room? Do you involve yourself in the activities here at Smith Crossing? She said, I do, as often as I can, bingo and, and exercise and all that stuff. And I said, you do that to, just to get out of these four walls that are surrounding you. And she said, no, Pastor, that's not why I do it. She said to me, she said, Pastor, there are so many lonely people in this building and when I'm sitting in my room, shy by nature, and when I'm sitting in my room, this is where I want to stay. But then I think about the others in this building, and I know how lonely they are, and the reason I leave my room to go out there is to bring some joy to them. I know each of them by name. I'm not a busybody, but I go around the lunchroom and I call them by their name and I smile and I pat them on the back. And if they've told me some story about a grandson or a nephew or a niece, I ask them how that's going. 
She said, Pastor, I get out of this room so that I can help touch someone else's life. I said to her, you be careful, you're going to end up in one of my sermons. Because he watches live streaming every Sunday. She said, oh, don't do that or don't mention my name. So I won't. But there's the story. And I'm sticking with it. You join a small group. Why? For yourself? Yeah. But you understand very shortly that you're joining a small group has touched someone else's life. You join a choir, join the handbells. Why? Because you have that gift and ability to sing or to play. And it touches your life, but you understand as you're playing, it's touching the lives of so many others, especially now with live streaming. And they will call and they will send messages, love the handbells, love the choirs. You're touching other people's lives. Nurses, doctors, policemen, paramedics, grocery store clerks, teachers. Do you ever say thank you? The video said it. You want to mature in the faith? You want to mature in your life? You want to transform your life? Romans 12, 2. Fill your life with thanksgiving and everything changes closing word Oswald Chambers 365 devotions there is one that stands out more than any others at least to me it's a devotion in which he says it will be very rare for any of you to realize how many lives you've touched on this earth You won't know till you get to heaven how many lives you've touched. And then Chambers says, maybe God does this to keep us humble. And whenever I think of that devotion, which I do often, I'm a little bit sad. Why is it that you and I will not understand how many lives we touched on this earth? Why is it that way? Because people don't say thank you enough. And if they did, maybe you and I would be encouraged to take one more step to do one more thing because we know it has touched someone else's life. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you, Epaphroditus. Thank you, church at Philippi, for what you've done for my faith. Thank you, God, in our Savior's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, our moms and dads weren't those the first two words they taught us. Thank you. And if someone gave us a stick of gum and we didn't say thank you, then mom would say, what are you supposed to say? Lord, I pray that we have a deeper understanding of what thanksgiving is. That we understand that humility is not just looking at some activity we've done 
and keeping our head down and our eyes lowered. Humility is reaching out to someone in their need. And a greater sign of humility is to actually thank someone for what they've done in our life because we did not get to where we are without the help of countless other people. Above all else, our Lord and Savior himself. Help us to have a heart of wisdom. In our Lord's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.